and on your PlayStation, set your controller to communicate only wired instead of through Bluetooth. So this ensures that in intense moment of Call of Duty, you don't accidentally rip your uh, USB cable out of your controller. Now, where, could you rip- where is the USB located? The port. It's on at the top, right? Yeah, it's at the top. So, for instance, got my USB right? cable here. That's top right. So, place that inside here. Pop this right here and then click it to lock and it just inserted so well i apparently did a terrible job with that (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the gaming trend podcast the official podcast of gamingtrend.com my name is anthony shelton and i am joined by david burdett hello there and Noah Rigsby. I'm I'm back. I'm I'm still alive, but I, hey, I'm back. Yay. <laughs> in this podcast, we talk about the latest games we could get our hands on. We talk about games in our backlog we should have played a long time ago, and games you absolutely need to play. We also squeeze in news now. So this week, we're actually <laughs> going to talk about a little hardware because David got his hands on the DualSense Edge, and yes. this month has been shadow drop month for me because I've been playing Hi-Fi Rush, but also I dipped into the Metroid Prime remaster, which shadow dropped yesterday at the time of this recording. And then Noah, you've been playing One Piece Odyssey, but you also have uh, a new game that you demoed as well. I forget the name of it. What was it? Sea of Stars. It got a shadow drop demo at the direct. So lots of lots of new stuff happening. It's the year of the shadow drop. It's come on, PlayStation. You can shadow drop <laughs> something too for me. <laughs> Spider Man <There> 2. That ain't happening. Can you imagine? That would be insane. <laughs> the, I'd lose it quite I literally. Think we all would. <laughs> I think so. So uh that is that's what we're going to talk about this week so let's let's get into let's get into the games uh well actually let's let's talk about not not even the games let's talk about the hardware first uh david you got your hands on the dual sense edge how do your hands feel yes they feel pretty darn good actually uh this is the carrying case that they put it in um one of the coolest things at least to me is they went with the matte white hard shell so this is different than the elite controller in that it is a very sturdy case. Like the elite controller definitely comes in a sturdy soft shell case, but there's just something about a nice hard shell case, knowing that nothing's going to happen unless, you know, I run it over, which that is not going to happen. <laughs> um, but this is the nice, pretty case here that has everything all nice inside. Uh, One of the things I do love is they do include a spot for you to put a replacement thumbstick as you have replaceable thumbsticks on the DualSense Edge. But then I've got the actual, for all of our video watchers, got the actual nice, clean... It's it's a very clean design, which the, the DualSense already has a nice design to it, but it just looks even more clean in person and the with the edge part 
for those who are just listening, the front part is shiny. It's it's glossy yes. finish. Yep. Which black that part. isn't of yeah, the the black part that covers the thumbsticks that is nice and shiny, which the fun thing again for our video watchers, the front actually pops off. I think I just released that. No, I did not. Well, I'm just waiting for it to just crumble. Yeah, I just start crying. <laughs> so Trying to see if I can get the this release button is tough to hit, and that is a very good thing because you don't need to accidentally do something while you're actually that, playing things. That would be very bad. <laughs> now I'm waiting for David's screen to like just go into like virtual matrices and dead set shows up with the little laughing skull <laughs> from Watch Dogs 2. Uh, while you're working Aha. on it, David. Oh, you got it? Okay, cool. Yeah, so you actually can pop that right off, and it's got the housing for everything. I do like they've got little levers that actually hold the sticks in place. Then you just slide it out. Quick as that, switch it out. Pop it right back into place, and then just pop down the thing, the lever, and then you just, as quickly as anything, just pop that right back into place. So... Very quick. Uh, I'm actually very happy with the price of the sticks. Uh, 20 bucks. That is all PlayStation okay. is charging for the replacement thumbstick That's modules. Per stick. Uh, yes. Yeah, per stick, which, in my opinion at least, for such an important part of a controller, is not that bad. <laughs> See how drifty they are. Yep, exactly. I don't expect them to be. No, and they are very finely tuned. Like, these feel really, really nice. Um, one of the things I really like is that PlayStation added software, which I need to come to PC. That is actually something in my review that I bring up is that I'm very disappointed in the lack of PC support for this thing because you plug it up and it just acts like a DualSense. <laughs> like, like there's no there's no button on the thing to remap any of your buttons. So you're you're stuck having to recognize. plug up to your PlayStation and remap things. Like it'll re it'll recognize it if you've mapped them on your PlayStation, right? But it won't recognize the back paddles or thing or the extra it, buttons uh, unless you've previously mapped them. Like it, it it'll it'll recognize them unless you haven't actually put the work in to map them. Hmm. Um, but you have to have a PlayStation to do that. So I would not suggest buying this. Well. I'm not going to say I wouldn't suggest buying it if you're just planning on using it with PC. You're going to get more use out of it with a PlayStation. Uh, but I did have to spend a couple bucks on DSX on Steam, which is a mod. It's essentially a modding tool for controllers so that you can make sure that you're getting the right emulation through. So it already recognizes the DualSense Edge and you can use it to remap everything. Uh, one of the cool things is I was even able to make it so the lighting on the controller actually pulsed through all the different colors <laughs> so it kind of did like a cool rainbow rgb kind of thing so really really neat action there <laughs> <laughs> yep a little bit um the interesting thing with the paddles like they feel better now that i've used them for a little bit but they are much more um buttony than the if it makes sense than the yeah, explain button controller. Um, it feels more like they're a press. It's like, it, like I press them, and it doesn't feel like I'm. I feel like a paddle. It's more that I'm pulling on it. If that makes sense, 
like the ones that are underneath my elite controller like you're having like to squeeze it more yeah, that i'm more pulling at it this it feels more like i'm just pressing like okay, okay, a direct gotcha. press as opposed that, yeah. to okay. yeah so these are more button feeling than the others uh which these are just like the elite they come out very easily but with but the I elite, really like i'm just curious because i haven't used the elite even though it feels like you're pulling it is the response only there after you've pulled it all the way or is there like a buffer like you you've pulled it halfway and it responds you still feel a similar click but it feel like i said it still feels more like a pull on on a lever as opposed to these which feel more like i'm just pressing a button and so to so speak like that makes the edge feel better it to me it doesn't like and i think some of it may be that I, I do have a bit smaller of hands. I'm a shorter dude and everything. So I think that these, just the, the ergonomics of these levers, paddles, whatever you want to call them, they just don't feel as good to me as they do on the Elite. And it, it might be just where they are sitting. Um, I feel like the Elite, they really perfectly put those into place. <laughs> like where your fingers are going to be most optimally where this it doesn't feel as optimized for where your fingers are going to be maybe, or at least where my fingers are going to be. Um, okay. But the other side of it, trying to get it up there. These I like, cause these have more of the pull feeling and they have just a nice click to them for the half dome. I call them the studs and they just have a really nice clicky feel to them. So they do so these, really these well stuff, with it. For those who are listening, they're more like little nubs almost sticking yep. out of the back middle of the controller instead of the side of it, it looks yep. like. So, and your fingers are already right there, so it's it's a very comfortable resting spot for everything. Um, beyond that, on the back, How I'm sensitive sure are they? Because I feel like if I were playing something and my fingers were just resting there just to play, I might accidentally click it. Is it I don't feel like it's something that you're going to you don't have that almost where they are resting, at least for me. There's not that extra muscle tension feel, if that makes sense. Yep. Like, I don't I don't feel like it's that actuation point of if I'm like gripping, I don't feel like I'm pressing them. OK, and maybe that's I've used the elite controller for a long time, so I may just have trained myself very well to not accidentally press things. <laughs> But well, I've never uh, used either yeah. of the, you know, I, I won't get an edge. Um, it'll be a while yeah. before I get an elite. So the way they're placed, they look like it's perfectly exactly where you yep. want to rest your fingers. If you're holding that, like it looks like a natural resting place, even if, even if yep. they weren't buttons, it actually looks like a place where you could just comfortably rest your fingers while you're holding the controller. So yep. I just wonder, you know, if like you talked about tension, would they respond? But I guess you did say they pull. So because they pull when you, if you do grip your controller in a tense moment, it's not going to react because you're not, you're, you're kind of pushing your yeah. fingers in that necessarily out. Yeah. Well, and I think this, like this is the grip. So like you would accidentally pull, you're going to pull like that. But when they're, you put your fingers out right here, it's the, any grip is going to be more in your bottom two fingers. Uh, okay. Yeah, that makes like, sense. So, so it's just it's the way that your fingers are positioned that keep it from being so, so much of a issue. But I can at least say that I haven't had any issues with it with playing. Like I played a whole lot of COD with it, and 
playing Call of Duty because I don't have four because I like to use the all four. Um, I had to use my uh, sticks to actually melee or initiate sprint. Um, pressing that did not pressing those did not make me accidentally hit the back button. So I was doing a little more having to grip a little harder because I'm using the sticks, but it didn't get in the way of me using the back buttons. So uh, the other thing that I really love about these for our visual people is the trigger locks, which is one of my favorite things with any controller. And there are three different spots so that you can stop the pull, adjust your pull distance when you're playing. I like having the very quick <laughs> hair, hair trigger lock kind of style where it's a very quick pull up for shooting a, shooting at somebody and whatnot. And these do it really well. Uh, the triggers already feel really good on the dual sense and I've used two different controllers and reviewed two different controllers where they've removed the adaptive triggers completely. So it's, it's almost a mouse click when you're using those triggers. But the problem is, is they've had to remove what makes the triggers so special, which is the adaptive nature of them where, uh, like for instance, with death loop, if your gun jams, you can't pull the trigger. <laughs> like that was one of the kind of neat, some people call it gimmicky, but uh, I thought it was actually, I think it's, it works actually a lot better than some of the other gimmicks that we've seen with controllers. And the cool thing with this is I get my trigger locks, but because I can adjust everything, I don't lose that adaptive nature of these triggers. I don't lose haptics because it's a professional controller and most pro controllers remove that kind of stuff from them. Um, it's just a very nice feel that they've given to this controller and maintain some of the special, how special the DualSense itself is. Uh, so that's the nice thing is you're getting a pro controller without losing what makes a DualSense a DualSense. Uh, and besides that, I don't know if it'll show up on video. I will try. But you can kind of see the, they've got all the PlayStation symbols on the touchpad here. And they also mimic that with the grips on the triggers or PlayStation symbols. And then, of course, they put little tiny PlayStation symbols as your grips along the DualSense. So it's a very the original DualSense <clears throat> also, right? Yeah. Well, they didn't do it with the touchpad or with the uh, trigger grips. That is not on the original DualSense. Uh, one of the detractors to this controller, though, at least in my opinion... Um, actually in a lot of people's opinion is the battery life. <laughs> uh, the battery life is at best about six hours oh. uh, and at worst can be four. So it's right in the five range is your median. And that's not good for any controller. Uh, the, the dual sense usually is about six to eight. So it's a little less <laughs> than a regular dual sense. And that's because they did put a bit of a, had to, I guess with the hardware, they had to smash a smaller battery into it. So it, yes, it is abysmal. The only thing I always, I ended up countering with, and I did state in my reviews, like, look, this is not good. It is a con. However, if you play like me and you are looking for this more in a competitive nature, because spending $200, you're not, you're not buying it to play Spider-Man with. 
you're buying it because you want to play better at Call of Duty, most people are going to run this wired because you're looking for every advantage you can get as a, if you're going more pro player oriented and being wired <laughs> gives you an advantage because you're not going to suffer that possible split second delay that a wireless controller has. So should there be more battery life? Yes, but most people who are playing with this competitively aren't necessarily going to notice because they're going to be connected to their system. Um, one of the things I do love, and I have to call this little guy out because I love this thing, is there is this piece. It is a lock piece for the USB cable, and it locks in your USB cable to the controller. And I love this <laughs> because it means I'm not accidentally unplugging my controller in the middle of a match because you can, on your PlayStation, set your controller to communicate only wired instead of through Bluetooth. So this ensures that in an intense moment of Call of Duty, you don't accidentally rip your... Uh, USB cable out of your controller. Now, where, could you where is the USB located? The port. It's on at the top, right? Yeah, it's at the top. So, for instance, top, got my USB right? cable here. That's top right. So, place that inside here. Pop this right here, and then click it to lock, and it just inserted. So, well. I apparently did a terrible job with that. <laughs> oh man, our our, vi our video, our video people are going to get a huge laugh out of that one. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> so use the use Thank the included cable, ladies and gentlemen. Use the included USB cable, not a random one. I think I just killed Noah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the best part was if you can see David's face, there was a split second of just pause where he's just like, huh? <laughs> I promise this works. <laughs> I promise it works. <laughs> I'm just using the wrong cable. <laughs> so you need a very specific cable. You need to make sure you're using the one that came with the tool sense. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't know people pulling out their cable while playing a game was an issue. So that's, that's fascinating to me. <laughs> I've never had that problem. Not with my pro controller, not with my Xbox controllers. It's never been a problem. <laughs> well, that was, <clears throat> but... that was a great demonstration. <laughs> In any case, I, I think it's a fantastic controller. Um, the software is really what really drives it home for me because on the PlayStation 5, and, and I hope they bring this to PC, uh, there's things like you can adjust your stick sensitivity in Dead Zone, which I know you can do on other in on other platforms, but they've got like, I was messing around, I was in playing Destiny, and they've got a lot of different defaults for your stick sensitivity with like a quick sensitivity or pr more precision or like digital or dynamic and all these different things. And I could feel the difference using the sticks like that. There's an actual tangible difference in your different response times and whatnot when you're making these adjustments. So it was just really cool to see it and feel it in action while playing 
something that required more attention, so to speak, like Destiny. I could definitely tell that my aim, I was able to be a little more precise with when I was aiming down with a more of like a battle rifle kind of I kind of thing or or if I was using a submachine gun I could kind of flip it on the fly go on the fly and change profiles to have a, a better feel for it so um, it's I, it's just cool go ahead uh, I got a question just because it's it's one of the features that I really liked about the elite series too um on its the casing that it comes with does it have a port where you can charge it through? Yep, there is a Velcro port right there. Awesome, that's that's one of my favorite features. Oh yeah, like it's on bit. top of the case for those who are listening. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, but it's it's, I think it's a fantastic controller that just improves on what the DualSense does, except for the battery life. Like it, the the battery life is a a huge bummer. Uh, as as well as the fact that there's I can't do as much with it on PC through PlayStation. Like I, I there are ways I can use it on PC and it'd be very effective. Uh, I actually I played a uh, my first game with the DualSense in Deathmatch, uh, which is on Call of Duty, is to seventy five kills. I I dropped forty kills to only fourteen deaths with the DualSense the first time I'd ever used it. So it's a good controller. You can get really great performance. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good controller. There's some really, it's very, it's a luxury device. There's, there's quite a few different items that I've discussed as luxury devices, and it definitely matches luxury device. Will it help you play well? Yes. Is it expensive? Yes. <laughs> is it worth it? That's completely up to you. <laughs> uh, I, my review can just tell you what the DualSense offers, what it does. Um, I. It's up to you whether you think that it's worth spending 200 bucks on. Uh, I do think at least for what you're getting out of it, especially if you're more of a pro-oriented player, you're looking for something on PlayStation specifically to play Call of Duty or, or Apex Legends or different first-person shooters and and get good, so to speak. It, it's You don't have a lot of options to choose from already, but this is certainly a premium option that you're going to get a, a good bang for your buck out of. Just depends on if you want to spend that buck. <laughs> $200 is a lot to put down. All yep. right. DualSense Edge. Sounds yep. like a good controller. It is. Gave it an 85 out of 100. And you can read the entire review on GamingTrend.com. It is up now. All right. Well, you can read that while you listen. Aha. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, I have been uh, spoiled. Because Nintendo had their direct yesterday. And to my surprise, I did not watch it live. I was at work. Literally work started when the direct dropped. So I randomly looked at my phone while I was on my break and saw that Metroid Prime dropped. And at first <laughs> I was really excited because I thought it was a Metroid Prime trilogy remaster. I was like, oh. Let's go. And then I really wait. 
So are we going to wait to the direct to talk about our thoughts on that whole thing <laughs> till the direct <yeah>. news? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, so uh, I was, I was uh, very excited. And then I realized it was Metroid prime. So I was not as excited, but I was still excited because Metroid prime is amazing. So I'm glad they remastered it. So played it for a little, well, I got through the opening, the frigate, uh orpheon and so uh wow i turned that volume off um so <laughs> um so yeah it, it it's it's a remaster <laughs> it, it feels good the biggest change is adding the dual sticks you can use uh the left stick to move and strafe the right stick is to turn as most modern first person shooters are nowadays uh, Metroid Prime, if you do not know, was released in an era just before dual stick became a thing. But even if dual stick was a thing, I'm pretty sure Nintendo wouldn't have adopted it for Metroid Prime anyway. They <laughs> stuck with the Ocarina of Time lock on system where you can move strafe left and right and then you can lock on with a button and shoot things. That way, no need to turn. You're locked on to your enemy. You want to lock on to a different enemy? Unlocking, then you can turn and with with the left stick, the same stick. <laughs> so, and uh, lock on that way. So, the the difference in play doesn't occur in combat because they still have the lock on system. If you're using dual stick, it's not like it turns off and you just have to aim using the dual stick. I think that would be an interesting feature to play this game without any kind of lock on since there is the dual stick option, but they don't have that. So uh, I, I would find it's actually easier to play because it's so easy to turn and find a character, lock onto it and blast it away compared to having to use one stick. With that said, exploring is a lot more fun because you can turn so much easier you can strafe around so much easier. so if you're not locked onto an enemy you have so many different ways of moving that dodging an enemy that you don't see that's firing at you is a lot easier uh, and obviously just plain exploring is so much easier as well so i i like it i'm glad it's there i'm glad they added it um that makes this remaster feel more complete everything else is a graphical upgrade it's in 1080p now uh you forget that gamecube was definitely not hd because at the time this game came out it was a very beautiful game uh yeah. one of the best looking within the gamecube playstation 2 uh xbox era it was a fantastic looking game so uh you kind of forget it's like oh yeah if i were to play that on a on a regular hd screen it would look ugly as heck and it does not now because it's it's properly up and um you can tell the textures have had some improvements too they've also done a few they, i was gonna say they i've saw a side by side and there were a lot of people saying like just straight up remaster like calling it that does not do this justice completely like they, it feels like they did a lot more work than just the standard, maybe what we're used to with a remaster. Maybe this is more just Nintendo's style of remaster. <laughs> uh, well, I, I would say 
I don't know what they're talking about because Nintendo style of remaster is still pretty bare bones in comparison to other remasters. So that's that's kind of my take on it. It's again, textures do look better. There are some upgrades to the environments. Uh, they added some more detail because they can. There's more memory to work with, more powerful hardware. So they did make some changes there. Again, adding the dual stick function. But I mean, after that, Metroid Prime which great i'm fine with that but that's what it is so it does look better looks fine on 1080p um you, you could tell i mean it looks like it's from the gamecube era there's still you know blockiness you see you know like they didn't improve the 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 polygon count we'll say it that way yeah. so Texture wise, everything does look better. Polygon count wise, it still looks like it's from the GameCube era. Fine. I don't have a problem with that. I'm just saying that's what you're getting. Um, with other remasters for other games, you know, uh, at least ones with this kind of three dimensional detail, you're going to get a little increased polygon count, up res, 10, you know, all that, HD, all that, um, depending. So, um, but I will say this is one of the best remasters Nintendo has done. This one looks like, uh, they put in far more effort than they've done for this than something like uh, the Super Mario 3D uh, All-Star uh, That was more or less just ported and that's it. Ported it? and put it up HD and Mario Sunshine had a few changes because the controller was different. So <laughs> they, they put in the work for that. So uh, I can't wait to play more of this and see what everything looks like. Uh, Metroid Prime is in my top 10 of games of all time. So this is, I couldn't wait. I bought it as soon as I got home. <laughs> I was like, all right. This, and it uh, it is every bit as good as I as I want it to be. Just know, you know, it is. I, th- I think it's the best port for Metroid Prime so far. So it, it, it works very, very well. You think someone that is new to the prime series do you think this is a a good way to entry i guess into this well metroid prime i think is the best one among the the trilogy uh prime 2 there's a lot more exploration and puzzle and uh it's harder which that's fine um it's just it's a different way to do Metroid Prime, and then Corruption goes more. Um, they try to go more back to Prime in terms of how balance of combat and puzzle, mostly combat. It just does. It's just not as good. Level design isn't as good. Um, mystery isn't as as much at that point. Um, I'm not sure why. One I'd have to go back and really like dig deep on it but yeah this would be a the way to start if you want to play metroid prime because everything is set up in a way of like you've never played this kind of metroid before nintendo did a really good job of like introducing you and letting you letting you fumble around without dumping you into it so you can figure out how to play it how the controls feel so you get to do all of that with the dual stick function now so I mean, you can see in my gameplay, I'm still kind of fumbling around with it because I'm so there are certain buttons that are embedded into my brain. It's like this is the button I press for this. 
kind of slightly changed a little bit. So it's like, oh yeah. So like my hands are used to what I would press on GameCube. And it's like, those buttons are kind of switched around a little bit with the pro controller. So just where I naturally feel where, where my finger goes, it's like, oh, that's not the button I need to press. The same button is just in a different spot. So, but because of the way it's set up, it allows you that time to get used to it without, you know, bombarding you with all the stuff. See, like I just went into the morph ball, like, you know, because my brain is like, this is the button for that. Nope, nope, nope. That's not nope. it anymore. <laughs> that's not it. So, <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, this is this is the perfect game to start with. I would recommend anybody who's interested in playing Metroid Prime like this. This is the version to play. Cool. Yeah, it looks great. All right, Noah, what have you been playing? Well, I, I spoke before. Let me pull up the notes because I have some things I specifically want to hit. Um, I spoke before um, One Piece. I started off, you know, with it with Odyssey and stuff, and I I was able to beat it. Um, my review is up on the site, so if somebody wants to know my full thoughts about me ranting about how wonderful One Piece is, um, you can go and get bored there uh but yeah so the and i talked about it in my review my final thoughts the main question that i went into was is this a good one piece game and then is it a good just rpg in general and you know coming out of it i ended it with it is a fantastic one piece game that if you know the material and stuff you will obviously get a ton more out of it uh, in your experience, but also it is a great intro into the franchise if you are just a casual RPG gamer or if you're interested in the genre. Because um, the that genre can be very intimidating with, you know, the hours and hours that you can spend in these and some of the combat systems uh, can get pretty in-depth. So the game is very easy. Uh, except for like some of the end game bosses are a little more, you have to think um, <laughs> about it, but yeah, overall it's, it's just a fantastic and really, really well done experience. Um, I gave it an 85, which I think is very fair. Um, especially considering I, it felt like a love letter to the fans. That, that was the main thing I, I got away from it. Um, the the visual style I think people will really like. It's very aesthetically pleasing. Um, if anyone has played any of the Dragon Quest games, um, I thought it was very comparable in terms of art style to the Dragon Quest series. That's so, yeah, I think it's it so. Was, I think it's so similar to Tales of Arise. See, I I thought Tales was a little bit more refined. Oh, like fair. more detailed yeah. but yeah no, I, I i think in terms of like i guess i looking at like the npcs in the world i i got a little bit more dragon questy vibes but okay yeah, okay that's 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 me exploring the worlds and stuff um storyline wise i thought it was the i hate saying typical because it sounds boring but the standard of one piece stories in their arcs is very similar to the game um it was a very good story you, you know you shipwreck on this island and you 
the mystery of the game is what's going on with this mysterious island that you just shipwreck on. You meet some really good characters that are fleshed out. Um, One Piece does a great job of well, Neil Druckmann. I feel like he he gets One Piece because he he loves humanizing villains. Um, and one thing you know, storyline spoilers, you know, free. They One Piece always does a great job of humanizing their villains and making them more complex than just oh I'm a bad guy doing bad guy things, which is makes you invest a lot more when you can get the other side of the story or you learn things. Um, one of the the memes of One Piece is every character has a, you know, three hour long backstory that makes you cry your eyes out. You know, every character has a tragic backstory, so it it's par for the course. Uh, so storyline, I think people really enjoy it. It was a really fun, really fun experience. Uh, and then the last thing was the gameplay. I'm going to talk about it because it got it just got better and better. As, as it went on, a lot of times with um, rock, paper, scissors style combat system, it, it can get kind of boring and bland because, oh, I just have to match up, you know, the event. You want to be advantageous in your battles. Um, but they kind of gated your power. So you got a little bit stronger as you progress through the story. And that unlocked new abilities and that actually changed up the combat quite a bit. So, and I, and it's, it's an RPG. You're going to be doing a lot of battles <laughs> in this game. And, and none of them in, you know, in my experience, in my playthrough ever got boring. Like I didn't mind running, you know, to each enemy and starting up an encounter. It never, I was never trying to dodge enemies. Like it can happen in a lot of RPGs when you're having to do so many battles. You're like, I don't, I don't want to fool with this. And you kind of, you know, sidetrack and you go straight to your objective. I, I never felt that way. And I, and I think that speaks to, you know, the fun and the flexibility in your combat. Um, Cause you can actually swap out the different crew members at any time, which is really nice. She wasn't stuck with that, you know, set or you didn't have to like leave the battle and then re readjust your party it, it was very flexible so i i think they hit every note pretty much aside from some story pacing um and then this is my only other little sly just because i i'm a one piece fan one of the biggest things of the show and the the manga is in every arc there's new outfits. It's one of the big things fans look forward to is what are the outfits going to be for this arc? Cause they tie the outfits into whatever setting and stuff like with Wano with it on a samurai inspired Island, they all got kimonos, you know, all the, the samurai inspired outfits. Um, there's not any different outfits you could, you know, equip or earn the only extra, I guess her changeable outfit was a pre-order bonus or for like the, the expansion set. So that was a little, I feel like I missed opportunity, but overall I, I have nothing but good, good things to say about it for the most part. Um, go out and buy it, just support them so I can get <laughs> another one. That's all I, yeah, <laughs> that's the main thing I wanted to get out. All right. And what was the other sure. thing you played? Yeah, that's, I wanted to, I didn't want to spend too much time on One Piece because I also 
because I would just talk for three hours about One Piece. Um, I wanted to at least talk about Sea of Stars, which we mentioned earlier. It got shadow dropped um, with the Nintendo Direct. Like that was par for the course. Yes, was just shadow drops of things. Um, so Sea of Stars, lots of I demos, had, lots of demos, which is good. Like, it gives me a chance to play them early. <laughs> so we we talked about it. I I put it on my most anticipated um, indie list. I'm pretty sure. Um, so Sea of Stars is the same team who did The Messenger, which is a fantastic game. Um, this one is a turn-based RPG. I would encourage everyone to play the demo because they almost do a Dark Souls demo is what I am calling it to where they just throw you in. They don't tell you anything. Um, and you have to find your way throughout the demo um they tell you hey these are your you get two there's two main characters a guy and a girl um one has like sun-based powers like fire um and that whole shtick the other one is female who does the like moon base so like wind and crescent attacks and stuff like that doesn't matter you can change you know it doesn't have any story implications so you can you know swap back and forth but it it doesn't give you any idea as to what the main story is about because it almost i would say it's kind of throws you into doing a side quest is the equivalent where you have to go get some do this certain fest quest for this pirate and he'll take you to this new area that you want to go to but other than that it tells you nothing there's no combat tutorial there's no character tutorial no map you have to literally leave the town and figure out where you need to go which i i appreciate it because it, it made you more invested in it in my opinion um so and i i got done with the demo up until the final boss i still have no clue what the story's about and i'm glad because i can go in and actually learn about these characters because you have a little party of characters that you have no clue who they are. Like, oh, I know your name, but that's it. <laughs> so, so they they really dropped you in, just like here are the basics. Let's see if you like this. <laughs> they they don't even give you a tutorial. Like, there's no combat tutorial. Um, that's one of the things I I'm glad you brought that up. Hmm. Um, it's a turn based battle system, uh, where you have like an attack and a skill you can do that costs like mana points and stuff. You have items. The the generic the same way all turn-based combat systems have been um it it can tell because you can see it almost feels like there's like weaknesses that each enemy type has because there's little icons over their um sprite but it doesn't tell you how to take advantage of it <laughs> it doesn't tell you what each one represents or anything um because some are obviously like resistant to melee attacks and you know they're weak to magic attacks but it it doesn't tell you anything you're you're literally having to figure it out as you go and then that's it felt very dark soulsy because you're you're struggle busting the entire time um even even the final boss of the uh the demo um i there's no health pool so you're sitting there wailing on the guy attacking him, you know, and you, you don't know how much longer you're going to have to fight. Uh, I went 15 minutes in 
and I still didn't beat him. And so I, so you don't know if there's like a mechanic to, to get him to the next phase or anything like that. And that kind of excites me because if that whole game is based around that, that the, the destiny Raider in me who loves trying to figure out the mechanics of a fight and like, what, what do I need to do to beat this boss versus just, you know, doing the, the basic attack that excites me. Cause if I have to figure out each boss type and figure out how to defeat them, that will extremely excite me. Uh, so that, that's, that's one of the things I really liked that there were a couple things I didn't. <laughs> um, the main thing that I didn't like, um, and it kind of goes with the whole Dark Souls thing, is there are every RPG, the JRPG that we've seen, there's campfires where you can rest, cook like meals to give you bonuses. There are also save points. Generally, when you stop and cook or rest at a campfire, that serves as a save point. It might be like a quick save, but it for most games, it acts as a save point. So I went in, I saved before I started the dungeon at a save point. After each floor of the dungeon, I went back, rested, got my health back, got my mana points back, proceeded, you know, expecting like, okay, it's fine. If I die, I'll just restart the floor. Got to the very final boss, you know, went through, couldn't figure out how to beat him. So I died. It took me back to before I started the dungeon. And that didn't feel good because <laughs> I, I know you want to do the Dark Souls thing, but like, I think that's one you, you could have left me a little note, like a little sign that said, hey, campfires don't save as, you know, don't don't work as safe points. Well, even Dark Souls like does somewhat of a save, I think, <laughs> when you light yeah. the fire at the least. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's just it would have been like a nice little thing to to let us know um but other than that it's it's great i i'm looking forward to the rest of the game the it's like a almost 2d 3d world you'll explore like there's little areas that you're like can i climb that and so you're gonna you know go and explore and then you're able to hey i can actually climb that so it it definitely lends itself for exploration in the worlds um it's like a mixture of 2d 3d which is really cool um, from leaving each like city, it has an overworld, which I didn't even know. Hmm. So it's, it's like a top down overworld. And you have your little characters who will trot along to the next area. Um, so yeah, I, I totally dug the demo. I'm going to unfortunately go back and start the dungeon over once we get <laughs> off this, this podcast. That means and, it's good at least. <laughs> yeah. Like when you, like I am totally fine with content being hard as long as, I am given a reason to go back and try again. Like, not every game can nail the, hey, we're not going to tell you how to beat the boss. You're going to have to figure it out. So you're going to have to brute force tactics and see, you know, what what do I need to do to trigger this, you know, weakness or, you know, because some bosses might have a specific criteria you have to meet to beat them. And when you can give me a reason to want to figure that out and it not, you know, frustrate me. I, I think you nailed a good boss encounter. So I, I'm hoping the full game's like that. Um, the demo was very self-aware. 
so I'm hoping they they know what they're doing in terms of keeping everything the same because there's parts of the city you'll want to go and explore. And it's like, sorry, this is closed off for people in the demo. Like things like that kind of <laughs> cracked me up. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, go down to download the demo. It's a it's a great time, and it makes me really excited for the the full release. I think it's cute that you're calling this something comparable to Dark Souls because I'm laughing to myself because everything you're saying sounds like an old NES or Super NES RPG. Everything to the bow, the save points, the difficulty, you got to figure everything out. I was like, this isn't Dark Souls. This is just retro RPGs. This is this how we roll back in the this day. Is just, this is just Final Fantasy original. <laughs> yeah, this is Dragon Warrior right here. Like, yeah. oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. That's Noah's a young gun. Like. I'm, I'm you know, a. You talk about I'm the a save young point, gun except for my back. <laughs> you know, you, you you talk about the campfires. I'm like, oh poor guy. As you told yeah. the story, I was like, nope, that's was not like, a save point. The save point is the save point. <laughs> so, yeah, that man it it was i got I was like no way like i, I was like i just saved it the campfire like like every rpg jrpg i've played that's funny the yeah. campfires service like even quick saves you know and stuff so nope. yeah that nope. which i mean <laughs> i would have liked to have been known but is it you know the worst thing in the world no but it like i said it it makes me want to go back so i think that's done its job well, here's the thing. If it, if it's, if it is doing it right, your progress isn't reset either. It's not like if you gained a level, you're back down to a level. So you're actually getting stronger as you fail. So yeah, it's, it's that, from what I remember, I, I believe I kept my level because I gained yeah. one level through the dungeon. So yeah. So that, that was always the, you know, the, the saving grace in those moments when you're playing those old RPGs where you're trying to figure everything out and you're getting pummeled, you are getting stronger. So uh it, it it feels good to know it's like you know your first three times through the dungeon it's like oh you're getting beat down and then that fourth time it's like oh okay this is a little easier and then that fifth time it's like oh okay the dungeon's easy now now it's just about getting to the boss and beating the boss <laughs> so um yeah and that boss was tanky i was like 15 minutes i'm throwing everything i'm throwing my shoe i'm throwing my <laughs> my party members you gotta you gotta guy. throw the chunkless everything bro everything <laughs> Um, yeah, the no health pools. I'm like, oh, that's classic JRPG. You, you never saw it, what the health was ever. Well, it, it threw me off because like the like going through the dungeon, the like I, I hate to call them ads, but like the regular enemies and stuff, they yeah. had a health pool. And then when I got oh, to the final boss, I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, well, that that's what I was like. That is very odd. interesting. Yeah. Unless, you know my blindness i have to have contacts unless i didn't see it <laughs> but as far as i know there was no health bar on this thing so i'm that's really interested like, in it now like if every boss if every like main boss you know of dungeon or wherever you have that area if if they have their own unique like mechanics and it doesn't tell you that and you have to figure it out that is a gold mine for me who loves destiny raids and loves figuring out those mechanics yeah you need to go back and play some classic jrpgs sir that's that's what it sounded like i will say classic jrpgs don't have like super mechanical mechanic-y bosses with a bunch of stuff added to them but 
conceptually, that's what this game is. This is pure classic JRPG, top to bottom. That's what it sounds like, at least. It, it very. I need to play yeah. for myself, but yeah, not telling you anything. You got to figure everything out. I remember playing Dragon Warrior for the very first time. I was like six or seven. And every game I played before that on the Commodore 64 was some sort of action game where you did a thing and you had a immediate response. There was no turn-based anything. So I get into Dragon Warrior and my first encounter with a slime and I'm just picking fight and item and you know i'm trying to figure out i'm like what action am i doing because i'm not seeing because all you see is the slime and then my screen turns red flashes red for a moment i'm taking damage i don't know what's going on I shut it off because i'm like I don't, I don't know yeah. what i'm doing that's exactly what that was eventually i picked it back up and you know played more of it once i understood i was playing an rp a turn-based rpg but yeah that's that's what I, this is i guess my biggest thing is like i feel like in most demos um it it like it seems like a lot of demos want to do the job of at least introducing you to who you're going to be playing as in this game and give you some semblance of what is going on in this world didn't get any of that like i can tell you the the name of my character and that is it yep so this is a classic demo as well this is how demos worked back in the day you just got thrown into something and literally you would have those kind of in character comments oh this sorry this is blocked off for the demo you know like they would do that yeah. uh, to let you know like you this is why you can't go there because this is a demo uh so you know like you're blocked it's, so it's great. yeah so the fact that they've dug this deep and basically have made a modern version of a classic kind of jrpg is interesting and cool i i want to play it i am going to download this demo and play it for sure it's it's a it's a fun time it definitely is all right well that covers all the games and hardware so we got some news to discuss so david get us going sir yes the biggest nuggets come from nintendo we don't have a ton of news in the sense of like separate things but boy did we get plenty out of them this week (laughs) Uh, the biggest thing was that there was a new Nintendo Direct, and there was 40 minutes of stuff. Now, I'll be honest. I don't think that everything that was there was really for me, so I didn't come away as impressed with some things, but there was a lot there for a lot of people, and I have some other thoughts at the end of this on what they had to offer. First off, we got and this is going more on the big side of announcements down. Uh, We had the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom got a new gameplay trailer, which looked really neat. And it also got a collector's edition and an amiibo. So lots of cool cool stuff when it came to that game. Uh, Any thoughts on what you guys saw? I, I had pretty low expectations going in. I didn't expect expect any like, you know, bombshells or or any like revelations with them saying, you know, a lot of this was or it was dedicated to the first half of 2023. And so I wasn't expecting any huge reveals, triple A reveals, I should say. Um, but I thought it was a solid, really solid showcase. Um there was a ton there. Um I, you know, 
loving Zelda. I was I was not expecting another trailer, but I'm glad we got one because <laughs> it just makes me more excited. And uh, man, I can't wait till May. <laughs> Yeah, it feels like they're going the Ragnarok route with Zelda and let's drop as little information as possible to intentionally make sure that we keep the hype going and don't just, you know, give away the movie as a lot of trailers do nowadays. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on what we saw of Zelda, Anthony? Uh, I, I mean, you, you didn't get a whole bunch. I, I didn't get a whole bunch from it. It was showing me things I could do. Okay, <laughs> this <Cool>. is Zelda. <laughs> I, yes, I I want I want to play this. But Look at how pretty it is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty. Apparently, you can drive a you know wagon giant wagon cart thing. <laughs> They're still flying. Uh, it looks like the the Blood Moon stuff is coming back. It might be a more permanent feature this time. Uh, I just want to know what kind of weapon breaking stuff is in it if it is at all and i hope it's not <laughs> yep. i know i would enjoy it more if it was not in there they just I, need to I, release I, like a 15 second trailer like there will be no breakable weapons in zelda <laughs> like and just just text out of the way it's like yeah. background with like the Hyrule symbol and then, you know, it slowly and, reveals no weapon breaking. And they all cheered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, funny enough, the, I feel like internet thing. sentiment has is coming back to my side of the table on this <laughs> where people don't want weapon breaking. And I'm like, fine. Okay. Y'all are finally either y'all have been underground this whole time, afraid to say your opinion on this or y'all have finally come to the light and realized weapon breaking and having three million weapons in your stash because they break after three hits is an abysmal mechanic. Yeah, that's I I don't need I didn't even care as much for it in dying light, but at least it made sense that it was a feature. Like it, it makes less sense in a Zelda game to me. Like, zombie apocalypse, we're cobbling together melee weapons. Okay, I get that they might bust after a while. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, the second big rock that was there was, you know, Metroid Prime Remastered. We don't got to go into a long discussion of that, but I'm pretty sure that blew a lot of people's minds. <laughs> uh, mainly the fact of, this is available now. That was that was pretty big. The the only thing that I that gets irks me a, t a teeny bit is that it's not the trilogy, and that they're probably going to release this piecemeal, and you're going to end up spending a hundred and twenty dollars for all three Metroid Prime games. That I am not a fan of in the slightest because most of the time you get these like I remember when. The Uncharted ports came to PlayStation for the, the little remaster port kind of thing that they did. There were three of them, all three on the same disc. And I don't even remember if it was a full 60. It may have been full 60, but even still, at least it's three games. I appreciate at least the fact that Nintendo didn't decide to charge full $60 on the Prime remaster. But knowing that there are two more... <laughs> And they're going to be released piecemeal, and we're going to spend twice as much 
it isn't exactly please sir can i have some more <laughs> cuz it makes you worry especially considering this is probably the route going forward for any of their other games it it could i i think it's actually they they're trying to what's the word i'm looking for uh the I want to say spare time. That's not the word I'm looking for. Um, you know, just just make space before Metroid Prime Four. So, like, we're okay. We're yeah. gonna give you. We're gonna give you this stuff. We're still working on Metroid Prime Four. So, in the meantime, how about you guys enjoy these remasters? Yeah, guess my question piece. would be. My question would be too, though, because you made a really good point there. How much longer are we gonna have to wait for Prime Four? If they're splitting these up, I mean, are we going to get one of these a year? Are we going to get one of these every six months? Like till prime four? Like I'm, I'm curious on that. Like how far is prime four away? I have no idea. <laughs> you saw they took down the pre-order, but they also took down the pre-order for tears of the kingdom around the same time. So I don't, I yeah. don't know if that's coincidence. Ir- irony. I don't, I don't know, but who knows? Guess we'll find out hopefully sooner rather than later, but Nintendo will do it in their own time because that is Nintendo. Yeah, on their terms. When you li- least expect it, that is when it will happen. Uh, some other good news. Pikmin 4. It's coming out in July. July 21st. Very quick release date. Uh, that's one of the things that I love about Nintendo is... Usually, if they are going to take the time to show something off, it's probably close to ready. And they they told us that Pikmin 4 was coming during the last Direct, which I believe was probably, what, September or so of last year. Told us that it was, it was, that it was a very basic, hey, Pikmin 4 is coming. And then right away this year, hey, it's coming out in the next couple of months. So that's really cool. I never got into the series, but... I do like the camera angle. I like the whole dog creature that you'll have with you. Looked really neat. Uh, the ice Pikmin that can freeze enemies in water. That seems like it'll be a, a nice addition to the menagerie that you have with you of Pikmin. So, I it it just Nintendo games are just so unique, and Pikmin is one of those games. And this just looks like. It looks like the perfect break game, if that makes sense. Like, I've been playing all these other random titles. Pikmin just seems like it'll be it'd be a good game to just sit back and just chill with. Agreed. I've never played Pikmin, yeah. so... Uh, Except for some of those it. bosses. Some of those bosses look like they're pulled out of horror games. <laughs> <laughs> like that one with four legs and looked like its head thingy was underneath it or whatever. That's kind of creepy. I wish I would have played Pikmin earlier. It was always a, a choice growing up of this game or just, no, I'm going to pick up Metroid Prime over Pikmin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you've got a lot to choose from, especially as a child, you, you're going to go with what's more familiar. Mm-hmm. When you don't have a lot to choose, <laughs> you, you, <laughs> your, your choices are a lot, but your choices are few. Yep. <laughs> And then your choices are often based around time when you're older, too. So it's like, do I have the time to play this game? I have the money. Yeah. <laughs> do I have the time? Yeah, the time. 
Speaking of, of time and the reason I should not resubscribe to Nintendo Switch Online, Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games are now available on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, game Boy is specifically added for Switch Online, whereas Advance, you will have to pay the extra for the Switch Online expansion pass, which I have to say, I'm at least happy to see that they've continued to support the expansion pass and make it worthwhile. Like adding stuff like that makes it worthwhile. They've they've also had, I believe, the the Animal Crossing pass for for the DLC as well as the the Mario Kart pass is also available through that correct anthony yes it is so like i remember us having a discussion on the podcast of how terrible <laughs> the nintendo <laughs> expansion pass was and uh you know they've they've built it into something that you know there's still some some more that they can do but and of course their online service in general needs to be better i saw a joke yesterday where they said that Elon Musk was celebrating the Nintendo Direct, so he let Nintendo's online run Twitter. Um, <laughs> that, for everybody who doesn't know, that's when Twitter completely broke. Just <laughs> so there's a lot. Nintendo has a far ways to go, at least in terms of on uh, the the actual network offering. But as far as value for subscribing to the expansion pass, things like this, like the the Game Boy Advance stuff and whatnot, that that makes it more worth it at least in my opinion what's what say y'all they're they're giving you a reason they're they're at least continuing to support and give you a reason to at least look at picking it up it's not like they just added it and then they put in a few things and abandoned it so well, they're I mean, not I, google I yeah that's true <laughs> yeah I, I think it's a We're good steam valve <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good, um, good addition, uh, and the more that they can, you know, put the retro stuff on there, I think is just always going to be a positive. I believe they said they were going to put this stuff on there. Now that now they're executing it, so the value piece is there. It is. Uh, I mean, I always I always saw it. It was just all right. When is when is it coming? Uh, so it was one of those things where they they built the store, they put merchandise in the store. There's just not enough merchandise to justify going into the store and 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 buying it. So now that there's more merchandise, there it's more valuable. So that's how I feel about it. Uh, they got. A lot of good Game Boy Advance games on there that I want to play. Golden Sun being one of them for sure. Um, so it's more enticing. I'm on somebody's family plan, so I am at the <laughs> point where I might want to hit them up and, hey, I'll pay for the expansion pass if you want. So um, I just need the money. <laughs> so, um, But yeah, I, I'm intrigued. Uh, you can play online with games like uh, Mario Kart Super Circuit so that's that's interesting online for Nintendo so <laughs> it's not going to be great but you can so that's fine but it it is becoming more valuable and as they add more games it will become more valuable they're going to add the right games so we can we can expect that 
Um, Game Boy Advances got a fantastic catalog of stuff, especially if you are a JRPG fan. So that stuff will come. Um, so the, obviously anybody can determine what the value is for there, but it it it's getting more valuable. What I think is funny is, is it, like this is the first time I've seen like the, these retro console offerings where I'm more interested. And I think it's because I'm, I, especially with the advance, I missed that era. Like I had a Game Boy Color and I didn't play as much of it. So a lot of that stuff still interests me. Like Mario 6 Golden Coins, something I played the crap out of when I was a kid. So that automatically interests me. But I went straight from, I didn't have any of those and then ended up getting a DS eventually. So I skipped the entire Game Boy Advance. So that makes that automatically way more valuable to me than even like, like I always yeah, thought that the NES and the SNES stuff is cool, but I own quite a few of those actually personally. Like I've got several of the cartridges and besides that, I've got the mini consoles. Like it doesn't right. really do a lot for me. Same with the 64. I own an actual 64. I don't have the, the game, Bo my game boy. I have to hope that it even works at this point. And I never had an advance, so this this is a, a legit reason for me to jump into that. So just just really cool that they went ahead and they had the those are almost more valuable to me than the the other retro console games. I had like the with the Game Boy, or it might have been I believe it was like, where like you can have the different screens, different filters, was, yeah, yeah, the different filters. I thought that was really a great touch. Yeah, somebody said that it actually really captures the softness of the screen compared to some of the different emulators out there and, and devices like the analog pocket actually does a bit better of a job than those emulators do with, with giving you that old feel. So that's really cool. Um, moving on, we've got advanced wars one and two. They're finally <laughs> got that date back out there. Uh, that one's coming out April 21st. Uh, I don't know anything really about Advance Wars. So I don't know if y'all do or Anthony. Yeah, I, I never or... played it. <laughs> it was Fire Emblem before Fire Emblem came around mm -hmm. in the U.S. Turn-based tactics game. Well regarded. So, looks neat. Uh, it's, yeah. it's not necessarily my kind of thing, but... Uh, I know a lot of people are very excited for this to finally be coming out. I believe I know some of the delay was there is some correlations with it and uh, some of the war stuff that that's been going on. And I think that was some of the delays was just to make sure that they were being sensitive during certain things going on. So I, I don't know. There may have even been working behind the scenes to lessen the similarities. So I guess we will see once the game actually comes mm -hmm. out. Um, beyond that, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, the Yoshi's Island and Birdo Wave 4 have released. We also got to see Splatoon 3's expansion pass. Um, that one I have a little bit more to say on because it brings us back to Inkopolis in the first wave of it. And it looks like it's more or less just a social hub, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I couldn't tell what they were doing with it honestly like, i'm I think, i'm very I, confused i think it is you're going back to inkopolis and i imagine you might be able to play old maps 
that that would be the only thing I could guess. I was assuming that something like that. If it's only just the social hub, then to me that's like that's a huge lose uh, on that one. Well, there really isn't a social hub in any yeah. of the Spl- Splatoons. You can see what people have drawn or what they've said, but there's yeah. not really direct communication with yeah. other players. I'm not even. I'm not even sure if those avatars are actually other players because they just <laughs> yeah. kind of stand around. It's not like Destiny where you're seeing people hop around and do random emotes and stuff at, at their when they want to. So uh, to to bring back Inkopolis and ultimately it's just you're entering different stores of the old characters and that's it. That's uh, okay. That's what's the point. So I think. It has to be either it has to be old maps is is really the selling point. But yeah, yeah. that didn't detail much like, of anything. If it's just a social hub, like that's an update, not a paid part Expansion. of a game. In my in my opinion. Um I am interested in the side order single player thing because it's the whole black with how Splatoon is so colorful. And this being some black and white kind of thing, you got to imagine that's going to work its way into the story. And it's just, I like that. But they've they've done it. They did a great job with their single player expansion to it's Splatoon like Two. So, <laughs> so it's it'll be. I'm sure they always they always find a way to make it real fun. So, um, any thoughts on either of those DLCs or expansions beyond what we've talked about? Not for me. You guys pretty much covered it. <laughs> I, I, most of your guys' opinions are like eh, my my verbatim. <laughs> so Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe. We got a new trailer for that, as well as a demo on this day of demos <laughs> from Nintendo Direct, uh, and that one is coming out actually in just almost two weeks, February twenty fourth. I'm surprised so that's not to... an event name. Day of the demo. That <laughs> that'd it be pretty. Been. It should have been. It it really felt like that. It was day of the demo. Like there was a lot hitting. Very much. But I'm it's Kirby and it, it's yeah. old school side scroller Kirby, so I'm always down for more Kirby. Yeah, that's pretty much the same. I mean I'll be playing Sea of Stars demo, but yeah, it's fine. Yep. And then more DLC. <laughs> we had the Xenoblade Chronicles three expansion pass. That one was adding a new hero and more tough challenges, as well as Fire Emblem, adding a ton of uh, big-name characters. You had Krom, Robin, Samelia. Just cool stuff that they just keep adding to these games. Uh, Disney Illusion Island uh, looks kind of, reminds me a little bit of Rayman Legends, at least in terms of the, the styling of it, maybe not exactly in the fast pace that Rayman Legends has, but that kind of a platformer. And we've got Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, and Donald Duck, just each one with different abilities and whatnot, jumping around, platforming. That one looks like it'll be a fun little game. It's coming out July 28th. Um, we already discussed Sea of Stars. That got a demo, uh, but we also got a release date. That one is actually a little later than I would have expected, coming out in August. August 29th was the actual release date for that one. Um, Octopath Traveler 2 also got a demo, which that one is coming out sooner. That's February 24th. 
Uh, that demo is release is already released. It's released today. And the cool thing is, is it is a demo that retains your information. So anything you do in the demo, you can transfer your save over when you buy Octopath Traveler 2. Um, I never played, well, I played a little bit of the original demo for Octopath Traveler. Uh, have either of you played the the game or obviously I assume we haven't played the demo yet. I've not. I played it a little bit of the first one and stuff, but time constraints, you know, you just don't get to play everything. Um, I'm. It, it's a unique take, I guess, with the multiple storylines and stuff. Um, it's a beautiful game. The the combat in it's great. The characters are a joy just from the little that I played the first. So there, there's not a reason not to look forward to the second one. Cool, cool. We got a new Bayonetta Origins trailer, which that one comes out on March 17th. We also, uh, one that looks awesome, uh, and it's great to see that they're continuing to support this game, Dead Cells Return to Castlevania. That one's coming out March 6th, but the DLC that's actually looking really good. Like, if you're a side-scroller fan or just Castlevania fan, like, it's looking pretty cool. Dead Cells is good already, so yep. adding that element and and with the music, the inspiration, and then Dead Cells being Dead Cells, I can't imagine this is going to be bad. No, yeah, it, it's it just seems the, like the perfect combo. Yeah, it's the collab that I would have. If somebody's like, oh, what do you what kind of DLC do you think we should do for Dead Cells? I would have never thought Castlevania, but now that you know that I'm like, that's perfect. <laughs> is a perfect pairing. I mean, you for can sure. tell Dead Cells is inspired at least a little bit by Castlevania. You can tell they've looked at Castlevania, have the level design, the the attack move, all you know. There, there, there is some Castlevania flavor in there already. So for them, it was a matter of can we land this? This is what we want. That's what it feels like, and that's why it looks like it's gonna work so well. Yep, for sure. I'm gonna try and fly through these pretty quickly that are left because there was once again 40 minutes worth of stuff. There was a lot that they talked about. Uh, Etrian Odyssey Origins Collection. We got the three original games coming to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I'm probably saying this completely wrong, but Baten Kaitos 1 and 2. Baten Kaitos, yeah. Those are the, they have an HD remaster that's bringing forward two GameCube classics. Now, the cool thing, I've seen a lot on Twitter. I'm not, once again, not my kind of game. But it seems like a lot of people are very excited that those games are coming back. I so am glad that glad Never that a cult classic is making it back. Uh, Tron Identity, we're getting a interestingly enough a visual novel style of a Tron game. So I'm I'm a Tron fan, so I'll probably play this on PC whenever it comes out. But uh, if it comes to Switch first every chance I might go ahead and jump in on it because I just, it, I, I love those kind of games. They're, they're, they're chill games that you can just kind of, uh, I, I love dialogue-based games, so that, that should be fun. Professor Layton, that's coming back. The new world of Steam. 
I'm I love the old Professor Layton games on DS, so very excited that Professor Layton is coming back, even though we don't really know anything beyond they're coming back and there's a title. There's a title, yeah. <laughs> Samba de Amigo. Anthony's newest party game that he can't wait to play. <laughs> get that get that shake in there after some no. just dance. No, I'm good. <laughs> I, I'll, I remember I'll do the, I'll do the <laughs> that at rhythm. <laughs> I I remember I remember this game coming to the Wii and I remember making fun of it constantly. <laughs> it just it looks so funny. Uh I, I I'm sure there are a lot of people who will have some fun with it. It's just not going to be me. <laughs> it's one of those games but, where I wonder like Fast and the Furious, how did you get a sequel and another one yeah. and another one? <laughs> I don't know how in a story. world where I do not have Bloodborne 2 is there a Samba <laughs> de Amigo 2? <laughs> Especially because, I mean, there's a lot going on in this. Like, there's even online, like, component to this game. It may not run well because it's running through a Nintendo online. But it's still I, got it's one. Samba de Amigo. It should, <laughs> it's that still... should be fine. <laughs> yeah it's just it just kind of blows you away that that we, just yeah yeah we're getting to that spot with david <laughs> bloodborne two man bloodborne two heck i'll take blood regular bloodborne with 60 fps or pc port like whatever um life is strange dev don't nod uh they announced strange, harmony the you fall there you go. <laughs> uh, Harmony, the fall of Reverie got announced. Uh, I did not. I think I was too busy freaking out over something else at that point that had been shown. And I did not see this trailer that well. Did either of you get to watch this trailer a little more yeah, closely than I did? I didn't get to. It looked, it looks interesting. I want to, I want to see what this world is about, but there's not a ton of detail to it. So I, know I, don't, I don't remember any, the premise of it, but I remember it yeah. looked interesting. Yeah. Any, anytime that don't nod has their hands on something, you just, you know that there's going to be a really good narrative behind it in the, at the least. So I would imagine, especially since it seems like this is pushing for narrative to be its main component, we should get a, something really good out of this. Um, fantasy life. Another one where you're doing building stuff and crafting and all kinds of different stuff. Uh, I've another game that I have not really sunk time into, but it looks like David Flynn is head over heels for this one. So excited that he got Fantasy Life. Uh, we love Katamari coming back. Anybody who likes to roll up the galaxy and then give it to their dad, you know, yeah, yeah. that's your genre. <laughs> Ghost Trick, Phantom Detective. I remember this game on my iPad. <laughs> so this is kind of just a fun little game that should be interesting. I'm I'm always curious with these games how much they're going to cost because I'm pretty sure I paid $4.99 on this on my iPad. So if this is an HD remaster and it's like 30 bucks, then it is it is certainly being overcharged. Um, Omega Strikers, free no, to play. No, no, it's, it's just priced competitively yeah. for mobile that's all that is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> omega strikers free to play online multiplayer soccer and air hockey coming out october uh, april 27th not october 
We've got Fashion Dreamer coming out, so you can show off your style. style. You can be the fashion influencer. They say there's over 1,400 design options. So plenty of stuff there, plenty of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Deca Police. Don't know a lot about it. It's from level five. The capitalist, like, whatever. Yeah, it, it, you had a police purse people in there. No, I know. I'm just, I so. think, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it. it's another one of those anime kind of game things that looks. Say what you will, the Switch certainly gets some interesting games that you don't find anywhere else. No. <laughs> Including in that is our last entry, Master Detective Archives Rain Code. Got a new trailer for that one. That one comes out June 30th. That's one that I feel like Noel will have some fun with. Just yeah, it's the, the Dink and Rumba guys. So yep. it'll be a good time. Looks specific. I, I remember seeing that the first time. I was like, you know what? This looks like a game that Noah would like. So it, It's like supernatural, like ghosty detective work. So, so I have... One prevailing thought after seeing all of this Nintendo Direct, and that is mainly that you can tell that Nintendo is at the end of their life cycle for the Switch. <laughs> the, the whole Nintendo, Switch. All of Nintendo, they're done. You can tell that. Well, we did not see. We did not see a ton of like first party, like we are, this is what we're working on next. We saw a lot of we're expanding upon this. And I get it. They do have some different games that they there are already planned expansions. We knew Xenoblade is getting more. We know Fire Emblem's getting more. We know Mario Kart's getting more. But it definitely feels like we're at the point of these studios that are probably working on this first party stuff. They're probably have Switch Two in mind, or they're on to Switch Two. Whatever Switch Two is, whenever Switch Two officially comes out, that's we we're probably seeing Switch Two next year, is my guess. Because from the financials, it does look like that you're eventually going to get to the point where your market is starting to get saturated. Even if you're selling a lot, you're just selling less. That you're not peaking anymore. But to me, we're for forty minutes of a Nintendo Direct, we we really didn't get anything brand new. Like nothing in the show, at least first party, nothing in the show was brand new. We already knew that Zelda was coming out. Metroid prime is a remaster. So it, it, you could count it, but you can't really. And then yeah. Pikmin four, we already knew was coming out. So, it's going to be very interesting to see just how this cycle continues, uh, especially because your your one more thing was Zelda. It, I get that Zelda's your big thing, but like Noah said, you really didn't have to do that. Or you could have saved it for something Zelda-centric that would possibly happen here in the next couple months and then kind of talk about what's coming next. So this, this is going to be a very interesting holiday for Nintendo to see what comes after July because we, all we've got is up to July which I didn't expect more because they said it's mostly focused on the beginning the first half of the year 
but I, yeah. I I do feel like we're not getting Mario Odyssey two announced at E three, bro. I'm right here to come out. I I just I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think a lot of this stuff. I think a lot of this stuff is going to be cross gen. Uh, I think you there's a good chance you'll see it them developing these things for both consoles. But I do think we're kind of at the point where they're prepping. It, and this to me kind of says that they're prepping for what's next because we didn't get a lot of first party offerings, which Nintendo's pretty darn good at. Mm-hmm. I, have, I, I think like for me, it was I, I was trying to set my expectations because I, I didn't expect them to drop anything like big first party new um, with them saying it was going to be first half. Um I, I have big expectations for their summer direct, like whenever uh, Summer Games Fest rolls around and they inevitably do a, a direct then, that's that's when I'm going to have high expectations like, okay, what's next? You know, and I think that's when we'll really see whether, you know, if we're getting stuff that could be cross-gen or not, like you said. But yeah, I, I, I agree with, I think in the next year, or next year, sorry. Um, I think we'll get Switch too. It's time. Like we love the Switch. It's time. I have two takeaways on this, and uh, on what you said, David, and they both go in opposite directions. One is we've seen this from Nintendo before where they show the one first party thing amongst a bunch of other third party or second party stuff. And that was probably year three. I want to say year three, four of the switch. And it was kind of like Nintendo, where's your stuff? We're not seeing it anywhere. So to me, historically, this may not be the end. Nintendo Switch just hit the third highest selling console of all time, including handhelds. It might be that Nintendo wants to stretch this out as, as long as possible. I think if they were to leave it on the market for another two years, that it could become the number one selling console of all time over the PlayStation 2, if it, uh, which that was on the market for 13 years before it was finally pulled. So. And it's entirely possible they release a new console with the the Switch still existing. But I feel like Nintendo, historically, usually when they they move on to the next console, they move on to the next console. So so there's that. It It might still have three more years on it. However... And I wasn't going to bring this up until the next news topic, but I'll, I I will say this because this is just a ancillary thought. It's a good, to, it's a good lead into. Uh, well, I have a, a I have an overall thought of the direct as well. So, uh, Tears of the Kingdom will be seventy dollars, and we'll talk more about that as justified in, in some ways by the. Uh, increased power uh, and production value of the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S, you know, people could kind of see that connection. All right, more powerful console, higher production. 
game costs going up. All right. Switch has obviously not. and <laughs> is not doing that. OLED does not do that. So Tears of the Kingdom being $70 perhaps could be also a uh, a mark to show. Uh, maybe Nintendo is about to move on a little bit and the justification will be a new console. Uh, maybe not necessarily released with Tears of the Kingdom. Maybe it's not far behind. So those are two different thoughts that I have about the situation. <laughs> I don't know which one I, I I think I land on the this is this is what Nintendo has done before, so I'm not shocked more than the uh maybe this is a precursor to <laughs> to the new console, but uh the possibility could be there. No thoughts on that? Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> No, it's they're good points. Yeah, they're, they're very valid. So yeah, like I I could, I could see them, you know, I hate to, you know, draw the comparison, but like kind of how Avengers Endgame stuck in the theaters for a really long time, just so it could take that top spot. I could see Nintendo trying to stretch out the Switch's life cycle to take that number one selling console spot. But I, I also, and then Sony releases the PS2 again, to, just again, like just, just like Avatar did. Avatar did, yeah, <laughs> just a retake, yeah. So I, I, I think though, what I'm hoping for, I just I think it's time to to move on to the Switch too. I think it's it's had a good run, but it's time. Is that is that how we felt about the PlayStation Two? Like it was like, oh, it's time. I don't know. Maybe because it feels so underpowered compared to everything else. But. That's probably more what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, my overall thought takeaway on the Nintendo Direct was if you're wondering why you haven't been seeing GameCube games on Nintendo Online, we now know why. Because they're going to re- be remastering them more than likely. So yep. obviously we got the Metroid Prime remaster. I am... Shocked by the Bot and Kaitos remasters one and two. That's not what I expected. It's fine. It's great. Don't have a problem with it. But clearly, uh, remasters for GameCube games, that's probably going to be the direction. I'm fine with it. Um, I feel like GameCube games are in that era where they probably wouldn't age well. Like N64, it's so old, it almost has that nostalgic SNES, NES type of feel to it at this point for for people who are younger than us playing and who like started with early 3D games. That was their NES age where it's just like, man, this is just, you know, really low poly stuff. And, you know, that's that's what we grew up on. It's so wonky. You can't take it seriously anyway. Yeah. Like so, you get to GameCube and it's like, ah, you were trying. I can't really play this anymore. <laughs> that, and I think remastering an N64 game is probably more work than remastering a GameCube game because there were so many tricks yeah. and weird things that they had to do to make these 3D games look even as decent as they did. While you've, I mean, if you've been on YouTube and you care about this stuff, like you've seen weird stuff. Uh, people who like Chronicle and are really into programming and are really into development, they got all kinds of videos of different N64 games showing the different weird things that they had to do to make stuff work in that. 
by the time you get to the GameCube, PlayStation 2, Xbox era, there's probably a little less of that. There's still some of it going on, but remastering it, probably not as difficult. So it makes more sense to remaster GameCube games than really port them over in their non-HD state and let you play them on Switch, which would probably look even ugly on handheld mode. So I get it. It obviously that's more expensive, but you know, for us, more expensive for us overall. But I'm fine with it. You know, it's like plumbing. You know, you're you're not paying for the parts, you're paying for the labor. So, you know, that that's that's my take from the whole direct. Yeah, I just want to get if they do GameCube, there are just so many different games that I want to see remasters of, like the original Luigi's Mansion, the Wind Waker, obviously, Twilight Princess, which those two already have ports that they did to the Wii U, so you got to imagine those will be even easier. I'm kind of surprised that they have not made their way over to the Switch yet because, again, Zelda fans will pay almost anything for a Zelda game, which leading into, (laughs) that is why Nintendo is charging $70 for Zelda. Because we saw, I believe it was an interview with Game Informer, and they said that it will be a case-by-case basis that they decide the price points of these games. Oh, I didn't know because, that. Yep, because yeah. Pikmin 4 is $60. Why? People are not paying $70 for Pikmin 4. People barely probably want to pay $60 for Pikmin 4. It's just a standard price point. So people are okay with paying $60 for Pikmin 4. Zelda, on the other hand, is the Legend of Zelda. (laughs) It is the sequel to one of the best, at least in terms of critical success, one of the most critically successful games of all time. A generation changer. uh, We would not have Elden Ring without Breath of the Wild. is the way that a lot of people are going to look at it. Oh, my God. But Breath of the Wild is so successful. Zelda, in general, is so successful. You're telling me I got to pay 10 extra bucks for Zelda? Well, I don't like it, but it's Zelda. What am I going to do? Not buy Zelda? (laughs) That's what they are banking on because Nintendo fans play. Do not be surprised when Mario Odyssey 2 comes out. And it's $70. Why? Because it's Mario. And people will pay for Mario. I'm not going to be surprised if a new Pokemon game comes out. And it's $70. Why? Because people will pay $70 for Pokemon. Now, I'll give them at least the credit of they're at least smart enough to say case-by-case basis. And realize that not every game can cost that. We cannot charge $70 for the Advance Wars reboot. We cannot charge $70, you know, for for some of these other games that don't have as big of a name. But the classic titles, the titles that are household names, Zelda, Mario, Pokemon, not surprising the slightest if not if every one of those things has a $70 price tag on it. Why? Because people will pay for it and they will ask Nintendo when the next one is coming out. I mean, I, I guess the the silver lining is like, you know, if they're gonna charge 
$70 for Tears of the Kingdom for Odyssey 2 whenever that comes out. Um, at least, like, those are unless something major, they're going to be phenomenal games. So, for me, I'm okay with it as long as, you know, what I'm getting. And you are why Nintendo is doing this. <laughs> yes. Oh, I know. I'm not ashamed, David. I'm not ashamed. I'm, I'm glad that you are at least acknowledging that Odyssey 2 is coming out. <laughs> So, I think I hey, broke I'm a... Anthony for all of our li- audio listeners. <laughs> I, you, your uh, your USB uh, lock earlier broke me, and now yeah. you know Anthony. So you're you're up next. So, yeah, I, I mean I'm I charge a hundred dollars for Zelda. I'll pay it. I don't care. I'm not ashamed. I, I know where I sit on this hill. So that game informer article, interview, whatever changed everything for me because I was on one hand, I hear the people. I hear the people, and I'm here for the people saying they're just doing this because. They can. And on the other hand, I hear developers and people I know who would tell me, no, it's because of cost of production. That's why $70. Because a while ago, a few months ago, last year, at some point, I put out a tweet when we were talking about all this $70 price increase with the PlayStation 5. And I put out a tweet that they were doing it just cause. And I got developers on my back. One of them is with us. Who got on me? They just don't do that. Yes, they do, apparently. Because here's Nintendo. Case, case, basis. I was all for the cost of production. You know, I was like, all right, developers are telling me. Okay, all right. I'll back off. I'm going to look this stuff up. I'm going to see how... Dollars is priced up and all this other stuff. I did my research, so I was like, all right, maybe it is cost of production. It's going up. These consoles are more powerful. I get it. Hey, cost of production. But as I've as I have uh been promoted in my job and have seen different things, I realize you know, sometimes you don't know what the CEO does, and the CEO doesn't know what you do. And at the end of the day, not a lot of people actually know what in the world is going on when it comes to all this finance. And so there was a part of me thinking, man, why would Zelda be $70? Maybe it's because of inflation. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, Microsoft was like, we can't hold it any longer. Zelda will be $70. Redfall will be $70. You know, these these Xbox exclusives will be $70. Sony increases the price of the PlayStation 5 in the EU. Their games from the beginning were going to be $70. Man, inflation, cost of production. And then Nintendo around. And you tell me, the interview, case by case basis. Well, that just burst the bubble for everybody else. Nintendo is a different company, but Nintendo still answers to shareholders. 
don't say case by case basis if inflation isn't getting in the way. That's not how that works. $70 is a choice, people. Okay. I don't care what no developer says. $70 is a choice. Nintendo has proven it. So it's annoying that yeah. this. But yes, as you say, David, what are you going to do? Not buy Zelda? Of course you're going to buy Zelda. I'm going to buy Zelda. We're all going to buy Zelda, okay? That's 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 how the Mario Odyssey 2 is set up. Yes, fine. I'll buy it. Fine. Because Nintendo know can get away with it. Because where else are you going to play Zelda? You ain't going to play it on the PC. You ain't going to play it on Xbox or PlayStation. Nintendo is the only company that has the IPs that they have and the loyalty to it that they have. Yep. And Sony's they can leverage the heck there. out of it. <laughs> yep. Sony, Sony's getting there with, you know, stuff like The Last of Us. And, you know, they're, they're not going to give up on Uncharted. They're not. Even though Naughty Dog says they're moving on, Sony's not. So yep. uh, uh, Nintendo knows they can get away with it. And so they're going to charge $70. Boom. There you go. It, it, well, it, it is, brings me. It, sucks. <laughs> it brings me back to. You know, you're talking about <clears throat> not every game has to do it, obviously. It brings me to the thought of, yes, is $70 making you more money? Is it helping you with inflation? Yeah, but it also keeps people from buying your game that might have to make that decision. And Nintendo's being real smart because they've been able to look at this field. They've been able to look at Destruction All-Stars being $70. And then suddenly within a month be $20. And then suddenly after that being on PlayStation Plus. <laughs> They've been grabbing all this data and looking at all these things. And they realized the amount of people that won't buy Pikmin at $70 versus the amount of people that will buy Pikmin at $60 is not worth the $10. <laughs> I it, Is inflation... An issue, yeah. Is it completely causing $70 games? Probably not. But is Nintendo not being one of the smartest companies in the world and saying we will leverage 70 where we know we can get it? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, because they understand that that is the smarter play because you can't guarantee... Yeah, sales are great, but it's best to get people in on that first wave. Because A, you're making more money, but B, you get that word of mouth out there. <laughs> well, the, yes. Sony knows. Uh, Microsoft knows. You know, they could just flat $70 for everything. And yep. you're either going to buy it or you're not. Um, Nintendo does know their audience. But even even still, uh, the the idea that you know it's it's cost of production and all that... I mean, not every quarter, but even during the $60 period, they were, it's not like they weren't making profits. Yeah. So it's not like they, they need the $70 to, to make profits. I, but at the end of the day, they, these are publicly traded companies. So in order to increase gains, well, you know, they've done DLC. They've done battle passes. They've done microtransactions. They've done expansions. What else is left? Price hikes. Easy. Because what are they going to do? Not buy the games? Well, of course they're going to buy the games. Because gamers, 
do that. <laughs> That's what, but here's the thing with Nintendo. Even if they did price Pikmin at $70, it ain't, it, Nintendo doesn't do sales like that. So, which is, which is part of the reason why they do case-by-case case pricing. Because they're not dropping the price of Mario Kart. It will remain $60. <laughs> it is still the highest selling game. Yep. On the market, yes, there have been occasional sales. Yes, I bought Mario Kart 8 for 40 bucks, but my point is it doesn't happen often. So, because Nintendo doesn't do sales that often, they can put Pikmin at $60 and maybe once a year put it on sale. And most more than likely, the people who want Pikmin now they're gonna buy it, and Nintendo will get the max out of that, and then the sales will every once in a while will make up for the difference there. Nintendo sales always make me laugh. I think it was, I think I was talking with Noah and we were like, oh, sweet Zelda's on sale for $60. $60. <laughs> yeah, what a steal. Yeah, like, it was just, oh, man. it was just, yeah, it's, 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 I paid 70 for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just sad that that's where we're at. Uh, the, the good news out of some of the different, uh, out of this is Nintendo did bring back the voucher program for Nintendo Online. So, hundred bucks gets you two games off of a list that Nintendo has curated of games that you can uh, of their games essentially. And Zelda uh, Tears of the Kingdom was added to that list after the direct. So that is a a good deal for anybody who is uh, thinking about picking up Zelda digitally because for thirty more bucks you can grab. Either a current game right now with like Pokemon Violet at sixty bucks or whatnot, one of those ones, or you can hold on to it and wait for the next seventy dollar game. <laughs> yeah, I could buy Fire Emblem Engage and maybe Sea of Stars, and boom, get Zelda. Yeah. Exactly. I imagine Sea of Stars would probably be thirty bucks. Am I, call- am I saying that Sea of Stars? Yes. Is that the game? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Let's make sure I was saying it right. But yeah, nice nice little savings to that little voucher program. So hey, I'm going to take a good hard look at all the Nintendo games this year and make some decisions. Yeah, I'm going to see what's <laughs> going to be 70 and what's not. Because <laughs> we already know. I need to buy Zelda. Just, so, you know, I can just play say it out loud and then put my Switch down. Yeah. All you have to do with Nintendo is do the say it out loud test. Pokemon. Yeah, that's probably $70. Zelda. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably seventy dollars. Mario Kart. Uh, that's probably sixty. Yeah. Mario. That was seventy dollars. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. Mario Kart do. Nine. I can see seventy dollars. I can. You see know, I can see Mario that Kart too. 9. Honestly, Nine. I yes, I can see it. Nine, yeah. <laughs> but they may not it, need to do it only because you know the, the the type of people who would buy a Mario Kart are not necessarily the same type of people who would buy Zelda. Because again, it still doesn't really go on sale. So they, they are getting a lot of value from that. I still think it's a it's it's definitely a franchise, at least that I feel like you can still get away with, though. I think they could notice. I thought especially. about it. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did so pause on that one. So and then the, the next podcast, the next gaming trim podcast is literally us just going through a list of Nintendo IP. <laughs> like, is it worth $70? <laughs> 
Fire emblem. No, it's be. <laughs> with, with the little whiteboard and like just make a mark. <laughs> like, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. Well, that was a long podcast. That is the end of our news. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Then yes, that that will do it. That was very informative though. That was that was great. Hope y'all enjoyed it too. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you watching. No, it's having good having you back again with yes. us. Good to be Glad back. you're Thank feeling you. better. That said, we will talk to you later. Deuces. Peace. Bye.